0: You're listening to the Promise Church's message of the week. We hope you enjoy this teaching by Pastor Chris Donald. For more information about who we are, please visit us at thepromisechurch.com. All right, you guys ready to get started? I love Christmas so much. Isn't it the best time? I got one yeah in the back. I'm going to go with it. If Pastor Aaron and that yeah in the back, we could change the world. All right. If you guys can open up your Bibles to John chapter... 7 Verse 14. We're going to start there this morning. The title of this message is Go, say go, go. say grow, go. and say truly know. truly know. Have you guys ever met a Christian? Maybe it's your, your mother or your father or your grandmother or your great grandpa, and you're like, wow, that person truly knows God. Or, you, or you've seen a YouTube video of, of somebody doing something crazy for Jesus, or you've heard testimonies of God moving, and you think, wow, that person truly has encountered God and gives that encounter away to the world. You guys know what I'm talking about? Could each of you kind of name one or two people that you're like, that person knows God? Wait, wave your hand at me if you know what I'm talking about. All right. So I believe that there are people that set standards, right, for us to run after. And I can think about many people like Heidi Baker and Bill Johnson and Todd White, different people that I've followed in my life. And I thought, wow, those people truly know Jesus. But there was something in my heart for the past 16 years that I've been saved that I thought, I wanna know him. And I've learned something along, along this journey that I wanna share with you today, that unless you go, you will never grow and you will never truly know. You can have 150 cute little Bible study sessions with Jesus Calling. Come on, now, I know I'm stepping on some ladies' toes right now. Don't touch my Jesus Calling. But let's just go there for a minute or whatever it is, Oswald Chambers. You can, you can do your cute Bible studies and, and you can get together and hold hands and pray. And, but there comes a point where you actually have to do something with what he gave you. Or all you have is a theory. And the world doesn't need a theory. The world needs an encounter with God. And by the way, we're not praying for God to come. He came. That's called Christmas. Right? He came. And we're not waiting for revival. We're not like, oh, God, I pray that you would move. God's saying, why don't you move? Because if you move, you can spark a revival. Now, I just want you to know I'm going to preach today, and I need more amens than just from this section right here. I mean, I pay Jeffrey to amen me, okay? So, so I need a few more amens, maybe in the back corners, to get me going. So let's look at this scripture. It says this. That was a little bit off timing, but I'm proud of you, wherever that came from. It was was good. Okay, here we go. Now, about the middle of the feast, Jesus went up into the temple and taught, and the Jews marveled, saying, how does this man know letters having never studied? Jesus answered them and said, my doctrine is not my own or my teaching, but his who sent me, the Father. Now, listen to this. Underline this. It says this. If anyone sits around and talks about it. That's not what it says. If, if anyone sits around and debates about it, it's not, that's not what it says. Argues, no, it says this. If anyone wills to do his will. God is not looking for theologians. He's looking for sons and daughters that will get to work. That's what he's looking for. Right, it, it says that, The laborers are few. It doesn't say the pastors or the theologians or the expert Bible studiers. It says the laborers. Now, I grew up on a dairy farm on the other side of town. And when my dad said, it's harvest time, I thought, well, I better call Aaron and tell him I might miss one Friday night worship. One out of seven years isn't bad. Okay, why? Because when it's harvest time, it's work time. And I've never sat in the barn and watched and witnessed the harvest bringing itself in. And, and, and I'm, I'm sad to say it, but in the Western church, we have gotten lazy and complacent and lost our grit. We like cute, cuddly Jesus that loves me just the way I am. Doesn't expect anything from me. We have lost the lordship, the kingship of Jesus, who gave us a commandment that says, go and make disciples. Okay, am I preaching to anybody this morning? Oh man, I'm, I'm just getting started. So he, he shall know, he shall know, he shall know concerning the doctrine whether it is from God or whether I speak on my own authority. If you want to know that what you believe, whatever your theology is, is true, do it. There's a lot of people they are like, well, you know, I don't really agree with your theology. Well, that's because you have a theory. I don't really agree with your approach to outreach. Well, sorry, when's the last time you led somebody to Christ? I, I just did last night when I was test driving a truck. It was amazing. I'll tell, I'll tell you about it in a little bit. So, we have theories and we have arguments, and really, what they are there's really three, there's many more than three, but three reasons why we become complacent. Number one, we don't understand that we're actually called to it, so we're ignorant. Number two is you're scared. Number three is you're lazy. Uh, (laughs) Merry Christmas. I'm giving Jesus a gift right now. I'm giving him the gift of just the unfiltered truth. So you're either ignorant, but after this message, you won't be. You're fearful, after this message, you don't have to be. Or you're lazy. After this message, you don't have to be. And I'm right. Because I read the Bible and I did it and I know it's true. On Friday, I won somebody to the Lord as well. It was amazing. I'm going to tell you about it in a minute. Now, you can argue with me with your theory, but where's your fruit? We follow fruit, we don't follow theories. And the world doesn't need a theory. It needs an encounter with the presence of God. We can know a lot of information about God and the Bible, but until we put it into practice in our lives, we will never truly know just how true it is. Gosh, this this topic is not just an evangelism topic. This is a Christian topic lifestyle topic and let me show this to you by because we're going to talk about evangelism today but I, I want to talk to you about just the Christian life for a moment so you can see that this principle applies to all doctrine that Jesus taught. Let's, let's look at Matthew 6 chapter 3, i mean, sorry, Matthew chapter Matthew chapter 6 verse 3. He says this, this is on the topic of giving. Okay, we're going to get through this. But when you do a charitable deed, do not let your left hand know what your right hand is doing. That your charitable deed may not be, that there may be in secret, and your father who sees in secret will himself reward you openly. Charitable deeds, or giving, right? Giving. So you can read every Robert Morris book on giving. You can listen to every podcast, watch every YouTube video. But until you take money and actually give it away you've never experienced giving. You have a theory. You, you may have heard every teaching on tithing and, and have theories and, and thoughts on, on why you should or why you shouldn't. I'm, not, I'm telling you that you should, unless you like to rob God. I mean, that's on you, but, but I, I've been tithing you know, ever since I've been born again. And I can tell you from experience... That when I give, God rewards me openly, and if you don't give, you won't be rewarded. That's scripture. He says, when you give, right, you will be rewarded. But we live in a system and a culture that says, you get a star for losing a soccer game. No, you lost. You get a trophy for a a good attitude. No, you still lost the game. There's... He rewards those who give. Let let me give you an example. I've been giving since I've been saved, and I was in uh, Dallas, Texas, and uh, we had a vehicle, but I needed another vehicle, and I didn't really have the money to, to buy one or even pay the insurance, so I closed my eyes, and I said, Jesus, if you could just give me a vehicle, that'd be awesome. And I went about my day. In less than one hour, a guy called me and he said, hey, I was just driving down to the city and I just had this thought pop in my head that, you know, I've got this truck in my driveway that I never use. It's totally paid for. I want you to use it as long as you want to use it. I'll pay the insurance. You just drive it and put gas in it. I thought, that sounds awesome. Now, I, I could, now, we're not going to talk about giving today, but I could tell you story after story after story of when I gave, God rewarded me. Okay, let's look at another one. Prayer, Matthew 6, verse 6. But when you pray, not if you, because Christians pray, but you, when you pray, go into your room, and when you have shut your door, pray to your Father who is in secret in the secret place, and your Father who sees in secret will reward you openly. No prayer, no reward. No secret place, time, no encounter with the Father. You're still saved, maybe. Just because you came to church doesn't mean you're saved. You got to know Him. Matthew 17, verse 3. Right? This is it, salvation, who is Jesus, by the way. Salvation is not a prayer. It's a person, right? He said, this is eternal life. So eternal life is not a prayer. Eternal life is a person because he's existed for eternity. He is the eternal life. So if you want eternal life, you have to be connected to eternal life. He said, so eternal life says this is eternal life that you know God the Father and me. No relationship, you're probably not saved. Okay, here we go. Getting off track. So, so, so we're talking about prayer. So, so, what does that look like, right? I prayed yesterday morning, I got connected to God. And then I went out shopping for a vehicle, and I was, and I said, I said to the guy, hey man, are you, are, are, like, where are you at with Jesus? He goes, I'm not really in a good place, but I need to be in a better place. So I went and test drove this truck and we get back and I'm sitting there. I said, hey, can I just have 30 seconds? He goes, yeah, absolutely. Do you know that God created you? Yeah. Do you know that God created you to be in relationship with him? Yeah. I mean, I'm discovering that. Do you know that sin messed that relationship up between you and God yeah, absolutely. I totally understand that. Well, Jesus is the solution to the sin problem. You see, Jesus is God, was God, right? He's God. Who, around Christmas time, God became a man and dwelt among us, right? And He lived the life that we couldn't. I'm just preaching to Him. He's sitting there going, Wow. I said, Do you want to give your life to Jesus? Absolutely. So, right there in the truck, He prays the prayer, and he feels the presence of God come into his life. Isn't that amazing? That'd be a good time for an amen. Amen. So what what am I trying to say? I prayed, so God openly rewarded me because he clothed me with power. So when I shared the eternal gospel, he got saved. Got his number, going to connect with him for coffee. Begin to disciple him, Amen. Okay, now let's look at fasting. Oh, I can't talk too much about fasting because I'm pretty terrible at it, but there was this one time that I fasted. So I can talk from that one or two, you know, time. Well, I, I fast, but it's pretty much awful. I believe in honesty and transparency. In January, around fasting season, just stay away from me, I'm a grump. Okay, so it says this. Anybody out there like me? I know you all are. Don't lie to me, you super spiritual people. It says this, moreover, when you fast. Gosh, why didn't it say if? It says, when you fast, uh, do not be like the hypocrites. It's like punch, punch, right? With a sad countenance for they disfigure their faces and they, they may appear to men to be fasting. Assuredly, I say to you, they have their reward. But you, when you fast, anoint your head and wash your face so that when you do not, so that when, so that You do not appear to men to be fasting, but to your Father who is in heaven in the secret place. And when your Father who sees in secret, he will reward you openly. No fasting, no reward. Well, what does a reward look like when you're fasting? Jesus says, some come out by prayer and fasting. Right, so I went to go pick up uh, uh, our really cool van that we got, you'll see us driving around in this big van. It's the gospel van. We got a soul count on the side. Just mark it down. That's another one for the kingdom. And, and so we went to pick that up in Mississippi, and we're driving down the road, and I see um, this, uh, this, these, this family sitting on the porch. And so I'm like, stop the van. Let's get our first soul. So they stop the van, and I jump out, and I run up to this thing, and I begin to talk to them. And they're like, kind of like, I think you're here for her. And they pointed to this girl. She was 17 years old and very bound. And I begin to share the gospel with her, and she began to growl and Manifest. So I continue to share the gospel with her and she gets born again and everybody on the front porch watches as the devil goes out of her. Totally transformed, right? She was at church that Sunday morning with her family, took up the whole back row. No fasting, no reward. So I'm I'm gonna focus here for a little bit on the topic of Evangelism, which by the way, we, we were like, well, I'm the prayer person. You're the outreach person. Wrong. Jesus didn't say to the 12, okay, listen, 12, listen, uh, you're the worship leader, so you're going to go to worship practice, and you're the creative director, and you're going to go make a t shirt to help sup- support and get my ministry out there for the world to see, and you're the hospitality director. And so you, uh, you're going to go and make dinner because we're going to be hungry when we're done. And, and you over here, you're scared. So we're going to let you off the hook. You over here, you're lazy. I'm, listen, I'm, I'm dumb being careful. I'm, so, I'm having so much fun right now. It's great. You can be confident when you have fruit. You can be grumpy when you don't. I'm smiling. Some of you guys are like, Aaron, why'd you bring this guy here? Is this your idea? It was Jonathan's idea. Blame everything on Jonathan. Okay, so... Actually, it's probably Casey's fault. But anyway... He didn't say that. He said to the 12, go. He said to the 72, go. Somehow along the way through our religious junk... We have managed to lose track of what we're called to. And then because we're scared, we say we're called to prayer. Listen, you're all called to prayer. Every one of you. It's true. You're all called to preach the gospel, every one of you. Because if I am an evangelist, it's my job, it says in the scripture, to equip you to do the work of evangelism. It's not my job, it's your job. It's my job to get you over the fear barrier, to get you out of the lazy state that we find ourselves in and to get you activated and engaged in the harvest. And the moment you begin to do it, you're gonna come to life because when you lose your life, that's when you find it. It's actually the most exciting way to live. I'm preaching to somebody. Okay, so we see giving, we see prayer and we see fasting. Right, and we can go on and on and on, right? Listen, you can even get a prayer book and you could read it and your heart could burn. I call it holy heartburn. And you're like, wow, this is so amazing. Have you read this book before? It made my heart burn. That heart burn was not an encounter with God. It was an invitation. We oftentimes mix up an invitation with an actual encounter, right? As you're listening to me preach this morning, Right? Your heart's burning and you're going to leave and you're going to go, wow, wasn't that inspiring?
1: Wasn't that awesome?
0: That's what I'm called to. And then maybe or maybe not, you're going to do something with it. This, this service is an invitation to a lifestyle of full-time Christianity, which is what you're called to. Amen? So two big lies that we believe. The first lie in, in the world of evangelism is I'm not a street evangelist. That's what you do. That's not what I do. I hear this all the time. Neither am I. I'm a basketball evangelist, a coffee shop evangelist, a Walmart evangelist. Last six months, by the grace of God, I've been a beach evangelist. Can I hear an amen? Amen. Last night, I was a used car lot evangelist. And a few days ago, I was a door-to-door evangelist stop hiding behind fear and religious lies. And by the way, we don't do witnessing. We are a witness, right? So whether you're lukewarm or on fire, you're witnessing to the world what lukewarm or what on fire is, right? So, so, so we need to understand that we're full-time Christians that are called to be clothed with the power of God to make disciples. And another uh, thing that we say often is, I'm not gifted. Uh, Pastor Chris is gifted. He, he's just gifted that way. No, actually, that's a lie. You didn't know me 16 years ago when I was totally not gifted. When Pastor Aaron and, and my wife Chelsea would sit there and go, did he just say that? right? It, like, I'm telling you, I've grown, because I go, I've grown, and now I truly know. You, you didn't know me, well, some of you, John knew me. He, he could stand up and say amen to this. I had hunger back then, but I, I wasn't gifted. I grew up on the other side of the railroad tracks. Sounds like a boy band, Right? I was over there. Like I was just a dairy farmer. That's why I love preaching in my church here in Woodland because I'm like, it just happened right over there. I'm not a professional. I, 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 let, let me say it this way. You are gifted if you're a born again believer because you have been gifted the greatest gift of all. Merry Christmas. It's called the Holy Ghost. So you can't say I'm not gifted. You have been gifted the greatest gift of all times, which is the gift of God himself. The same power that raised Christ from the dead, it's in you, whether you believe it or not. I would just encourage you to believe it, or the next six months of me being here is going to be really uncomfortable. Because I'm going to yell the whole time. Get it, get it, get it. And all I'm trying to do is just to convince you that you're called by God to change the world. That's what my role is in the body of Christ. So you've been given the greatest gift of all time and that gift is the gift of the Holy Spirit. Now I don't have time, maybe at some point I'll preach this, but there are three different giftings in the body of Christ. There are the motivational gifts of the Father. When you are born again, God hardwires you with a gift. Maybe that's... We don't got time to get into all of it, but you, you were given a distinct gift. Maybe it's leadership. Maybe, you know, there's, there's different aspects, and we could break that down later. Or there is the gifts of Jesus to the body of Christ, which are the fivefold ministry, right? The pastor, the prophet, the evangelist, the apostle, the teacher, right? And those are specific gifts that Jesus gives to the body to encourage you and to inspire you to change the world. And then there's the manifestation gifts of the Holy Spirit. Now, the manifestation gifts of the Holy Spirit are like fundamentals on a basketball team. It's not like, well, Jeffrey's got the gift of faith and Johnny's got the word of knowledge and and Aaron's got tongue and interpretation and you over there have the gift of miracles. No, the manifestation gifts are the gifts that come when you're actively doing God's work. It's God giving you a miracle tool in the moment to change the world, but it comes at the moment that you need it. So if you're not actively going, you're not going to see or have an encounter with the Holy Spirit in that way. So that's what I'm encouraging you to do this week is to go with the gospel and experience the gift of the Holy Spirit in a new way. Right, it's, it's Holy Spirit in you at salvation. So when you're saved, you receive a deposit of the Holy Spirit in you for you for salvation. When you're baptized in the Holy Spirit and with fire, right? Then you receive the Holy Spirit on you for others. And we need that baptism. Amen? Where we are clothed in the power of God. The ultimate gift is the gift of the Holy Spirit, in order to operate in them, you have to actually do something. You have to do something. Okay, let's jump down here to three quick points for you guys. The first one being grow. We're going to look at Acts 3, starting in verse 6. Acts 3 verse 6, but Peter said, I have no silver and gold, but what I do have I give to you in the name of Jesus Christ of Nazareth, rise up and walk. And he looked him, and and he took him by the right hand and raised him up, and immediately his feet and ankles were made strong. They put into action what they knew to be true and had amazing fruit. Right? Right? They'd seen Jesus do it. They knew that they were called to do it. He says, Silver and gold, I don't have this world system, doesn't own me, but what I possess in the Holy Spirit, I have access to because the kingdom of God is at hand. So take my hand and stand up. Do you know that you're called to the same thing? You can walk in the same way as you begin to go with God. We grow, right? So you're probably not going to start there today. I mean, it could happen. You could go to Safeway and see somebody sitting there at the door and say, say hey, let me see your hand, and that could totally happen. But what I found with God is, is that we grow over time. So for you this week, this Christmas week, it may look like you stopping for one person and saying, hey, Jesus loves you. It's, it's the Christmas season. How can I pray for you? And can I invite you to come to our Christmas Eve service? That could be going. Or I said last week that you could go to somebody and just hand them a Christmas Eve flyer and you could run away. I'm okay with that for the first couple of weeks. Like, I'm good. Like, just make sure that me and Jeff Flanagan aren't there because we will trip you. And then we will rise you up and send you back, right? You could go to Burgerville, right? Get a Bacon. I love Burgerville. Anyways, I got an amen. That was the first amen I got from you. That was, was, I know what his love language is, right? You could go there and hope that nobody gets behind you in line and you could share through the speaker and put it in reverse and get out of there. Just, you better pray that I'm not behind you in my van because I will push you through. It'll be awesome because it's my role to make you very uncomfortable. Pastor Jonathan pastors the uncomfortable, and I make the comfortable uncomfortable. We're a great pair, right? Okay, so growing. Let's look at the next point here. But Peter and John answered them, whether it is right in the sight of God to listen to you rather than to God, you must judge, for we cannot but speak of what we have seen, say seen, and heard. This is key, so this is what happened. They had this amazing encounter where this man is healed. Everybody's watching it, and the religious leaders got a little bit upset because it messed with their theory and their popularity because now people are looking at God and not their religious pride, right? And so they're like, we're going to put these guys on trial. They said, you cannot speak in that name, and they said, listen, We cannot but speak about what we've seen and heard. So let me put it into into context for today, right? When I begin to feel persecution or people begin to push back on me, I rise up. I'm like, let me tell you what my God has done. Let me tell you what I've seen and what I've heard. Let me tell you about the man who was deaf and mute. Let me tell you about the one that was blind and could see. Let me tell you about that day I was in that mosque with Pastor Aaron and healing swept across the mosque. Let me tell you what I've witnessed. You tell me not to speak in the name of Jesus, I'm going to get louder. Why? Because I've experienced God. But if somebody comes and they say, Be quiet and all you have is a theory. We better be quiet. Better cancel church. What are we going to do? Oh my gosh, you're lost. Because you haven't been going, you haven't been growing, so you don't truly know, and you have a theory. And when persecution hits, you get scared, you get backed into a corner, and you begin to wonder if it's even real. Oh, it's real. I've seen it, I've heard it, and no man will ever cause me to be quiet. I'm gonna get louder. I'm gonna get more radical because I'm going back to Iraq next month. I'm gonna see him do more things. I'm gonna shop for more more used cars. I didn't buy one last night, so I'm gonna see more people get saved. I'm just gonna shop all year long to see as many used car salesmen saved to the Lord as I possibly can. Right, because I have seen God move last night. I'm on fire this morning because I go I grow. So they grew, right? And he says this, and, he, and he, because we've seen and heard, and when they had further threatened them, they let them go, finding no way to punish them because of the people. For all were praising God for what happened. So they personally grew through their obedience. When you go with the gospel, you will both see and hear and grow. Now, now look at this in Acts 4, verse 23. It says this, when they were released, so they let them go. set themselves and the rulers were gathered together against the Lord and against his anointed. For truly in this city, we, for truly in this city, they were gathered together against your holy servant, Jesus, whom you appointed, both Herod and Pontius Pilate, along with the Gentiles and the peoples of Israel to do whatever your hand and your plan had predestined to take place. And now, Lord, look Others grew from their obedience. Your yes to God inspires others. Do you know that my yes to God has inspired people that I haven't even met? Right? I'll, I'll travel somewhere and I'll get there and I'll be like, hey, I just want you to know that you've changed my life. I've never met you before, but I've seen your obedience and how you continue to grow and how you continue to grow, and it's caused me to do the same thing. It's like this beautiful testimony that was shared where she had the opportunity to be a witness because she's living as a full-time Christian responding right. As we begin to go in the things of God, we grow and we begin to encourage other people around us to do the very same thing, amen? Now let's look at the last point here in Acts 4, verse 32. Truly know. Now the full number of those believed Who believed were of one heart and soul. And no one said that any of the things that belonged to him were his own. But they had everything in common. Okay, what do I want to pull from this? Going and growing caused them as a community to truly know and believe to the point of great unity. If we want unity, we need to begin to go with the gospel. So many people divide over theories and never really actually see fruit. When the church sees fruit, she will be united. Let me say it this way, you, you could be here today and think, well, you know, I like some of the points that he's saying, but I don't I don't necessarily know if I agree with all of them, because, I mean, I watched this YouTube video one time, and this this preacher was saying this, and, and I heard this, and I read this book that would contradict with that, because I believe that some people are called to evangelism, and others aren't, and you're sitting there reasoning, and you're religious whatever. Okay, L- listen, so then we have all these different camps, like the the post-millennium camp, and then the this camp, and the this camp, and we we begin to break up all the while doing nothing but talking. And then we end up leaving the church because, well, you know, I did this book study with my five other friends that do nothing for God, and we decided that that person over there who's doing nothing for God has got it wrong, and so we're offended, and so we're going to leave. And by the way, they, they bought black chairs and not green ones. I like the green ones. And, and I painted a mural on the wall. And can you believe they painted over that mural? Listen, it was ugly. It had to go. Okay, so, 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 so we begin to, listen, I'm preaching to somebody. So we begin to build camps and groups. And all the while, we're doing nothing. And we're seeing nobody saved. Nobody water baptized. Nobody filled with the Holy Ghost and fire but we have a theory. Take your theory, throw it away. It's not working. Repent. Change the way you think and get in the game. I don't, I'm not really interested in talking to you if you have a theory. Now, if you're seeing people get saved and cities coming and encountering God, come and talk to me. Tell me about it because I want to grow. I want to know more. I'm humble. I want to see. But listen, if you're not and all you have is a theory, just keep your theory to your little group and do nothing. Because listen, I was just in Florida. I'm just being real for a moment. I'm just a real preacher from the other side of the tracks. I was just in Florida and we saw a move of God. I saw people that were atheists people that were, that, were, that were homosexuals, people that were living completely away from God, that didn't believe in God at all, encounter God, get water baptized, come out of the water, praying in the Holy Spirit. They're following God and they're plugged into the church. That's not a theory. That's a reality. That's the kingdom of God coming. That's going, growing, and truly knowing. And it, I'm telling you, in January, we're, you know, we're going to start a Friday night worship and then, and then we're going to have a time on Thursday nights. We don't know exactly what time it is for the month of January where we're going to get together and we're going to pray and say, God, we want to see this city saved. We want to see people encounter God because there are people all over this city that are ready for a God encounter. God is just waiting for you to go. Amen. When I was in Bend, Oregon, I got away to pray for a little while, but I got a little bit antsy praying, Right? I'm a little bit antsy. I'm like, we should go share our faith, right? If you pray and spend time with God, right, God's heart is to seek and to save the lost. So you can't spend time with God and not share your faith with the lost. You may think you're spending time with God, but really you're spending your time with a devotional book. Can I preach for a minute? So I got stirred up because I was in the presence of God. God was stirring my heart. I was sitting there. I was reading the Bible. I was seeing, I'm called to do this. So I said to the pastor, hey, we got an hour. Let's go, let's go over to a neighborhood and knock on doors. He's like, all right. I said, I know we're going to see somebody saved. So we go over, we knock on the first door, no. Second door, no. Third door, no. Listen, I'm sold out for this thing. He told me what to do. I'm going to do it whether I have fruit or not. I'm called to it. I'm a gritty Christian. I'm going to go after it. I could be rejected 500 times. I'm going to go after 501. Why? Because I don't do what I do for me. I do it for God. And God spoke to me. And he said to me in his word, go and make disciples. So I'm going to go and I'm going to make disciples. So I knocked on the next door. I said, excuse me, sir. My name's Chris. I don't want to take much of your time. Can I share the gospel with you? He says, yes. Comes in, clears his couch off, sits me down goes over and sits down and he looks at me I said are you born again he says no but I'm really close 30 minutes later walking him through the book of John he sits there with tears in his eyes and prays and gives his life to Jesus why because I'm a believer that does something with what's been given to me the problem with the church in the west is you look at me as if I'm a superstar I'm not I'm normal I'm a normal guy that grew up in Woodland, Washington on a dairy farm. I scooped cow poop for years. I'll tell you what I am. I'm hungry, and I'm sold out, and I'm desperate to see a move of God in this city. And I will stop at nothing, and I will go, and I will grow, and I will truly know. I know last week I got so fired up. Oh man, I was like yelling and my Johnny calls me the red-faced dragon. Oh, I was like, I got done. I was like, oh wow, that was a lot. It was just to stir the pot. This week I'm coming in a little bit more practical. I'm saying to you, listen, all I'm asking you to do this week, if this is new to you, just take a couple Christmas Eve flyers and hand them away. And we'll grow in this thing over time. There was a story of uh, a girl at our school that i pastored at and she um she was out to share faith and she saw somebody and she's like she started crying because she was so scared she's like oh and she starts walking towards the lady and the lady's like why are you crying she goes because i'm so scared to share my faith with you she goes listen I, i'm an atheist but i feel so bad for you why don't you share with me I'm just trying to tell you, I don't don't know what it's going to look like for you, but it's got to look like something because he's worthy. And I say that we give him the greatest gift. Listen, we've received a lot of gifts, but this Christmas, let's give him a gift. A gift of our obedience. A gift of our yes. A gift of our unconditional uh, love for him that says, you know what? I love you. And because I love you, the word of God says that I will obey your commands. And I believe what you said in your word and I'm going to walk it out. Remember what I said last week? I believe that you can be born again in love with God and absolutely miss the missional call of God in your life. That does This is not a salvation issue. If you love God and you pursue Him, you're saved. But I say we change the world. And we start with the people in your school or in your college or in your workplace or the people that you're going to walk by in the mall and you just stop for one person. And I promise you, when you do that, something on the inside of you is going to go, oh, wow, that felt right. This is what I'm called to because as I'm speaking, your heart is burning. Oh, I love it. Okay. I got excited. Amen. Go, grow, truly know. No going, all you have is a theory. Theories don't change the world. The world needs an encounter with God. We're not praying and asking God for revival. Oh, I pray to the Lord of the harvest to send out laborers into the harvest. And then God's like, hey, dummy. That's how he talks to me, probably not you. Uh, you're praying for yourself. Are you going to go today? How about we just start with your neighbor? I promise you, because it's scripture, that if you begin to go, you will grow. And you will encounter God in ways, because he says, if you go, I will be with you. And that's a different with you. That there has been encounters and moments where I've encountered God in ways that are so supernatural. And, and I, can't, I can't even put it into words or articulate it to you other than to say, listen, as you begin to go and step out, you'll grow and then you'll truly know. But I want you to understand this. What am I saying practically? This week, share your faith with one person. And then begin to pray and ask God, God, do you want me to show up to that Friday night worship? Lord, do you want me to fast and pray in January? And Jesus, do you want me to go to that prayer time on Thursday night to begin to pray for the city? Because then in February, we're going to launch our belong gatherings. And this is what it's going to look like. People are going to come at 630. They're going to pray. And we're going to equip you. We have a whole way to equip you in evangelism. At 7 o'clock, we're going to have outreach and belong gathering at the same time. So if you can commit, I believe that the promised church can fulfill the great commission in many ways. Like we have youth group, young adults, all these different things that we do that are so important. But I believe that we can specifically accomplish reaching the lost and discipling new believers in four hours a week. So I want you to begin to pray and ask God, God, what would it look like for me to give up a Thursday night? Or you could give up a Tuesday night and come to, come to Longview with us. We're going to do it there. And you could give a couple hours to begin to step out and to fulfill the Great Commission. And we're going to see what we saw happen in Florida, happen here. We're going to see people baptized, filled with the Holy Ghost. We're going to see business owners and athletes and all different kinds of people come to saving faith in Christ. Amen. Will you stand with me? And then we'll sing a song. I feel like I'm still smoking. Am I smoking? feel like I caught on fire. I almost just combusted there for a moment. Let me pray. Father, I thank you, Lord, for this word. God, I pray that it would go deep in the heart of every person that listened this morning. God, I pray that they would see that this is not difficult, that it's simple. It just takes going to grow. Holy Spirit, I pray that you would Uh, nudge them and, and, and push them towards stepping out this week. But God, also, I pray when it comes to prayer, when it comes to giving, when it comes to fasting, when it comes to all the different aspects, worship of the Christian life, God, that we will begin to actually do the very things that you've called us to do. In Jesus' name, amen. Let's worship.